in the life of our church, as you know, um, because we uh, are committing to a season of uh, praying and fasting. And Christian asked uh, this morning, um, uh, along with the leadership team, if I, if I just continue just to fuel the journey. So um, we're going to be talking a different message, but same title, uh, on that thought of prayer first. And uh, I don't know whether that can go up on the screen just to encourage us and to remind us that God has always called us to pray first. So let me just say one or two things as we, as we just move into the message this morning. Um, in the autumn, uh, just for a couple of weeks, you may remember that uh, I, I did a message on this subject. And then we did a, a video uh, of Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of Church of Ireland. Late last night, I was watching their prayer meeting yesterday morning, um, 9 till 10, because they're in a 21-day journey of praying and fasting, and uh, hundreds of people gathering, Dino Russo leading the meeting, holy hands raised to God. And the encouraging thing is that when you may feel as though you're on your own, I want to tell you that all across the earth, in this season, at the beginning of the year, prevailing, advancing churches are doing exactly the same as us. And there are many Uh, And we don't have time to mention them this morning. And I believe that the earth can literally shake when people get serious with God. And as Julie encourages, chains can be broken in Jesus' name. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. This community of believers is not about bondage, it's about freedom. It's about being free in Jesus Christ. And the more that you get bound to him, the more you live in freedom in your life. So I want to encourage you in that. And uh, when we were talking last time, we tried to ground ground the message. We tried to make it very real. And I want to thank people that have spoken to myself and Christian and others about the fact that this is helping them. It's making sense. It's bringing alive a prayer journey. It's not complicated. We're not trying to make it complicated. I'm not an expert. There are no experts in the church. It's just a privilege to be able to pray. And we understand, as we said at the time, that things can come to us. It may be that you've been praying this week. I'm not asking for a show of hands. And you fell asleep. It happens at times. It happens. It may be that this week, as you're praying, your phone pinged and you couldn't resist it. And you were really in a time of prayer and you went off on something completely different. I was reading just this week that analysts have worked out that we look at our phone 46 times a day. Some of you will be saying, as few as that. 46 times a day. And I'm amazed how many times that I begin to pray that the phone pings. I've got to work out how to knock the ping off, you know, but, but it's all a journey. But we understand all of that. We get people saying, I wish I could pray like so-and-so. Pastor Colin electrified the meeting, not here this week, but Hazel's out of hospital and things are looking a little better for them than they did last week. Electrified the meeting last week because he's a man of prayer. And he's got sort of an 80-odd-year-old journey with it. But don't say, I wish I could pray like Pastor Colin. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. God's not asking you to pray like them. He's asking you to pray like you. Don't pray as you can't, pray as you can. Use your words, your vernacular, your language, your relationship. As God pursues you and you pursue him. It's as simple as that. It's as simple. And we've had, we've had people for years not feeling they can pray because they can't pray like somebody else. God wants you to just pray like you. You're amazing. He loves you. He likes you. He longs after you. So we understand all of that. So our two verses, just to get us going, and then I'm going to take us to the Acts again. Not same verses last week, but just a few 
few verses in Acts. Our two verses, just to encourage us to pray first. First of all, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's one of the shortest verses in the whole of the New Testament. And it simply says, pray continually. Pray continually. Or as one translation says, pray without ceasing. And this is the passion of pray first. It may be that you're able to get up a little bit earlier and give some minutes to prayer. But don't think that prayer is just confined to your set devotional time. We can be praying on all sorts of occasions over all sorts of situations. We live in a life of prayer. Pray continually. And then Luke 18, 1, Jesus says they, speaking of us, should always pray and not give up. Always pray. In other words, there's a story that follows that verse. We're not going there this morning. But it's encouraging us regarding the persistence of prayer. Did you know there are some people that have prayed all their life for people, sometimes their family, friends. They've died, never seen the answer to prayer, and then the answer to prayers come after they've died. Now, I don't understand why that happens, but they've never given up. They've always prayed and not given up. And there are things that you're praying about, and God's encouraging to keep being persistent. So the passion, the little phrase that Christian reminded us of last week from Pray First, and it's on our green uh, prayer diary is prayer should not be our first response sorry prayer should be our first response not our last resort you know if you're here this morning saying well I don't know what to pray I was very impacted this week by the back of the um, of the prayer sheet because these uh, daily statements read as prayers so you think well how do I pray for the world just read it in Jesus name Amen. And you're praying it, I'm praying it, so-and-so's praying it, Christian's praying it. It gathers a momentum. It may be that you want to go off and maybe on the day on missionaries, you know one or two of these people personally, you know some of their challenges and you want to go there. But literally, that's a great help to simply pray the prayers. I encourage you to do so. Now, just a few reminders regarding prayer. The communication of prayer. It's about conversing and connecting. It's about talking to a living, holy God. And as we grow in prayer, understanding that he wants just to minister back to us. What about the content of prayer? It's not just about asking, but prayer and confessing. Have you realized, I don't know whether you find it, but it's difficult to sin when you're fasting. It somehow draws you close to God. And, um, and, and so prayer and confessing. But if you get it wrong during the week... Don't spend the rest of the year feeling in guilt. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Prayer and confession. Prayer and thanking. We thank the Lord this morning. Imagine never saying thank you to anybody, but some people never say thank you to God. Prayer and thanking. Prayer and listening. Maybe those quiet moments. God, what are you just saying to my heart? Prayer and obeying. How many of you have found that when you begin to pray to God, he's got some things to say to you? And sometimes he wants some areas of your life to find some fresh shape, obeying him. What about the conduct of prayer? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I've got to be, I've got to be honest, friends. I'm not, I'm not overly keen with, you know, I had a word with him upstairs. Or I've talked to Big G. I'm sort of not keen on those phrases. <clears throat> I don't want to get overly religious. But I'd never spoke disrespectfully to my late, my late dad. 
I, I didn't treat him in a disrespectful way in the way that I communicated with him. I don't think we should too, Father. There's a protocol as we come to him. And then the challenges of prayer in your situation, in your life, and God wants you to press through. So we're encouraged, and we're encouraged by people responding to what God is doing. The late Bill Bright gave up a sweet confectionery business, very successful businessman in America, and established an amazing ministry for God out of the gift of evangelists to the body of Christ. It was called Campus Crusade for Christ. It was a different era, but it was a passion to reach students in the States and beyond. Bill Bright's now in heaven, but in 2011, Campus Crusade for Christ had 25,000 missionaries across the earth in 191 nations. Now, when you consider there's only 202 nations in the earth, that's a good reach. And one time, Bill Bright received $1.1 million from the te- as the Templeton Prize. It's a little bit like a Nobel Prize in the religious field. And he received $1.1 million from the Templeton Prize for his commitment to the progression of Christianity in the earth. He gave it all away. And interestingly, he gave it all away to promote the benefits of prayer and fasting. Isn't that incredible? One point, one, did anybody win the lottery? I'm not talking about here, but has anybody heard it on the news? But you know, 400 tickets a second thinking that's going to answer all your problems. Let me tell you, it's not. It's not. God's got it all sorts of friends. You need to keep trusting in him. But Bill Bright said this, because he was passionate about prayer as well as reaching the loss. He was the man that wrote the four spiritual laws. Another area, you might not like it now, but he won thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. He says, prayer is an indescribable privilege. It may be difficult to speak to a civic leader of a city, a president or a prime minister. But what is amazing is that we can speak to the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving creator God and saviour any time, day or night, no appointment needed. Isn't that amazing? That's the privilege of prayer. So this morning, five things from the book of Acts that encourage us to pray first. Remember last week, I didn't spend a lot of time on it because I said I'd come back to it. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And the Acts of the Apostles is the fifth book of the New Testament. It comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It tells us how the early church were filled with the Holy Spirit and then began to touch the world with the good news of Jesus. Not always easy, as we'll see in a moment, opposition. But this was a group of people that were committed to prayer. In fact, the early church throbbed with a prayer passion. And it saw change and advancement. So notice firstly that prayer was a priority. Acts 3.1, Peter and John going to the temple at the time of prayer. Now clearly there were different customs and practices in that context and culture 2,000 years ago to ours. But what the Bible's clearly teaching was that the apostles made a priority to go to a place to pray. Clearly, even then, it was their first response, not their last resort. Again, if you're looking for help to pray during this season, why not use the prayer first booklet? If you've not got one, if you go to the resource table, down, uh, resource uh, desk downstairs afterwards, they'll gladly give you one. Because here, courtesy again of Pastor Chris, there's some wonderful prayer patterns and outlines to help you 
on your prayer journey. At the beginning of this book, Pastor Chris says, before the day begins, pray. Before you go to bed, pray. Before you go to work or school, pray. Before you send that text, pray. It may be that you don't send it after you've prayed. Before you eat or drive or travel, pray. When bad things happen, pray. Before bad things happen, pray. In every situation, pray first. That's what God's calling us to do. It may be that you've got a difficult meeting with your manager this week. It may be that you've got a situation that you're not looking forward to. It may be that you're concerned about your children. It may be that there's all sorts of things that wash across your life. Pray about them. Pray about them. Just give them to God. Make prayer a priority. Number two, I'm going to run through these quickly. Prayer was made for power. And I'm going to read four verses from the New Testament that basically see the progression of power coming to the church. Number one, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus said to the disciples, stay in the city, Jerusalem, until you've been clothed with power from on high. One of the descriptions of the Spirit of God is it coming upon us. Stay in the city. Remember these guys had laid down so many times we'd lost count. And he'd entrusted them with spreading the message into the earth. He realized they needed power from on high. We go to Acts 1.14 in response to what Jesus said just before he was ascended to heaven. He says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. In some of the old, older translations of the Bible, it says they were all of one accord. I was saying to Terry, as we prayed downstairs before the meeting, that sometimes we can even take unity for granted, oneness. Uh, but I'm so thankful I belong to a church where we're all trying to row the same way. And most churches sadly aren't. One person's going that way, one person's going that way, one person's going that way. And then they wonder why there's no cohesion, even in the spirit. Unity is vital. It will always be contested for. And the elders of the church will do their level best always to protect the unity of Arena Church. Because we realize it's an absolute bedrock to everything that we do. These people had an incredible oneness of heart. They joined together constantly in prayer. Then it says in Acts 2, verse 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The power from the high came on them. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. The Spirit was symbolized as tongues of fire sitting over them, and they were empowered. What was the reason for that? Well, we go back to Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. And notice the reach of being a witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I interpret that, friends, as local, regional, cross-cultural, and international. In other words, there's no limitation to the reach of every church in the earth to be a witness to the earth. That's, that's what God's called us to be. And so we see there that the church prayed for power. In fact, prayer was a prelude to them receiving power, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. If we want the power of God, friends, we've got to spend time in his presence. Saying, God, will you endure us with power from on high? You may be at school, you may be at college. You may think, oh, this is for somebody that's been a Christian a long time. No, it's for you. It's for you. 
It may be that you're coming into something fresh. I always remember talking to somebody in our church. I won't mention names. But they came to our church. They've been an amazing, faithful member of our church. And they said, we knew there was more. We knew there was more. And I believe that God's bringing people in our church this year to realize there's more. There's more for you. There's more for you. And for you to be endued with power from on high. So they prayed by making it a priority. They prayed to receive power. Thirdly, they prayed over their problems. Because in Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, he says, Then they prayed, Lord, show us of these two whom you have chosen. Sadly, an enigma, something difficult to explain. Many commentators have had a go over the years, Judas Iscariot. But the reality was he was dead. And he came to a gruesome end. And so there was Joseph, not Jesus' father, many Josephs in the New Testament. There was Joseph and Matthias. And which one was to replace Judas Iscariot as part of the apostolic group? Lord, will you show us? Will you show us? We have a predicament. We have a dilemma. Both good men. Lord, will you show us? It was their first call and not their last. And friends, when we have problems in our lives, when we have dilemmas, when we have difficulties, when we have things that present questions to us, again, let's let prayer be the first resort. Lord, will you show me how to navigate this? Lord, will you help me make a wise decision? Lord, will you bring a resolution to that which seems unresolvable? All great prayers. And believing that God will step in and help us with our problems. You know, people have said to me at times, wouldn't it be great if we had a problem-free will? I'm not so sure. It'd be actually a bit boring. I don't go looking for problems. They certainly pursue me. But, but, but the reality is, they're challenges. They're things to overcome. Sometimes some of our leaders go through incredible problematic situations. But oh, to see them come out the other side. To see that they've found an answer. To find that they've got a solution. To see them breathing a little bit more easily. Everybody's learned something in that. That makes us better for God. It's like people saying, you know, I want a stress-free life. You don't need a stress-free life. You need a stress-controlled life. You don't need stress controlling you. You need to control it. But I'm telling you, a stress-free life is boring. It means that you're setting yourself up for no challenges, no demands, no steps of faith. You need to just ask God to help you deal with it. And when we have to navigate problems that will most assuredly come to us, remember I said before Christmas, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upwards. It's inevitable. Pray about it. You know, we have to make decisions sometimes regarding people in the life of the church. Lord, please show us. Please help us to know the right way to go with this situation. How many times God comes close and helps us? Number four, we need to pray for progress. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John were taken before the ruling religious council and said, you know, guys, uh, they were imprisoned and they said, we'd like you, forgive the modern vernacular, we'd like you to button it, you know. We'd like you to stop talking about this Jesus. You're, filling, you're causing mayhem. There's that many people getting saved. You're filling the city with your teaching. And if you don't stop, there's going to be consequences. Now, they'd been 
imprisoned, they've been threatened. And he says in Acts chapter 4 that then they were released. Now, I don't know about you, but in my naturalness, I'd have thought, you know what, I fancy some fish and chips. Not in the 21-day prayer and fasting, you understand? (laughs) But they went straight to the prayer meeting. And they shared with the church. It's an amazing Acts 4. What a prayer meeting. They shared with the church what was going off. What were they going to do? Were they going to keep quiet? So I'll tell you what, we better go into a shower. We better not upset anybody. We better stop being sort of out there. Let's just, we'll set up for a quiet life. No problems, no stress. They said, none of that. They began to pray. There was a context for the prayer. It was against threats and opposition. There was a content to the prayer. Sovereign Lord, you're in charge. You rule. Now, I get concerned with things that happen in the world like everybody else does. And some of these things grieve me hugely, as they do you. But the sovereign Lord who we've worshipped this morning is in control, friends. He holds the whole world in his hands. What's your vision of God? Have you got a pocket-sized God that you occasionally get out and a gigantic devil that you're seeing every day? Or do you see the sovereign Lord that rules over your life? I've said one day that we're going to do Revelation. But whatever you think about Revelation, and please bear in mind there are at least four appropriate views of Revelation. So if you think you've got the angle on it, I'm going to tell you somebody will come along, come across it, and then that will test your grace. But what I do know about Revelation is that Jesus has the last word. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And you hear me, I'm not saying that triumphalistically, friends. But he has the last word. The sovereign Lord will rule and reign in righteousness forever and ever. They had an amazing content for prayer. I've been in some prayer meetings, I tell you. God's been so demeaned and diminished, it's been frightening. He's been reduced, if I can say, to this little dwarf. That's not bad for a granddad, is it? Yeah. the sovereign lord i want to tell you friends i i i go on feeling blessed about the content of our prayer gatherings because i believe in arena church we're increasingly moving into an understanding that we're coming to pray to the sovereign lord and the consequences of the prayer meeting the place was shaken it seems to me as i read it that it was physically shaken it was certainly visibly shaken but it seems to me that probably the water whoa you know shaken certainly we can apply it in a figurative sense and say Ilkeston be shaken Mansfield be shaken M1 Corridor and beyond be shaken British Isles be shaken as people come together and pray over the challenges of their situations and life as they come together to pray and believe God in an amazing way, as they come together, that progress may be made, that we would see things shaken, literally shaken. I've written down here, the natural and spiritual will seek to impede our forward move, but prayer overcomes. Christians are able to get up this morning and very calmly share a little bit about the wars project with the community team. But of course, some of you would know his words. And some of the things that have tried to stop it happening. And we could say that for everything. 
Because the enemy in the spiritual world says, you know what, that arena church, they seem to be cooking gas a bit at the moment. And they seem to be wanting to get all of another building. It's doing me heading. I'm going to try and stop it. I'll get something in the press, or I'll get somebody putting some throwaway line on Facebook with no accountability. Or I'll get somebody to ring Christian up and tell him what do you think he's doing. All these things happen. And we understand in the natural and the spiritual, issues will come that seek to impede us going forward. Keep praying. Keep praying for each other because progress will come that will push back on that when we pray. Number five, they prayed when they were persecuted. Chapter 12, so Peter was kept in prison, listen, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, this is an amazing passage. If you think the Acts of the Apostles, all the Christians were walking around two foot off the ground, nobody ever did anything wrong, then Acts 12 absolutely burst the bubble. It's an incredible expression of spirituality and humanity, just like Arena Church. Because as they prayed, God answered. God said, okay, I see those people praying. I'll send an angel to Peter. He was supernaturally led out of the prison, through all the doors, boom, 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 boom. And he knocks on the door of where the prayer meeting's taking place. The little servant girl comes to the door. It's Rhoda. She recognizes it's Peter Voss. She never even let him in. She ran back into the prayer meeting and says, Peter's at the door. They said, you've got to be out of your minds. Well, our faith, wasn't it? The very thing they've been praying for, they turned on the servant girl for and said, you're crazy. That's church. That's church. And wasn't God gracious to them? That despite all of their human frailty in praying and believing, but not too much, God answered anyway. And if you sometimes think, you know, I'm praying for this, but there's something stirring in you thinking... God knows. The disciple says, I believe, help my unbelief. An amazing expression of prayer. Be encouraged. All these things supernaturally breathed of God into the Bible. So 2,000 years later, we're all encouraged. Isn't it amazing? Isn't this book absolutely amazing? Now then, the persecution of Christians. Do we face persecution in the UK at the moment? Well, maybe. Many of us are very concerned, and you need to know as a leadership that we take it very carefully about the secular liberal stretch within our society, even context I was talking to Mr. Chris about this morning. And uh, you need to know that we keep our eye on that. You need to know as a national leadership team of Assemblies of God, we seek to represent in appropriate places. You need to know that Tim Roberts, one of our pastors who leads the church in Watford, He's our representative to the Houses of Parliament and the Houses of Lords on behalf of the Assemblies of God, GB. And Tim's got an amazing grace for that journey. So you need to see that we're trying to put a voice into our nation regarding Christian values. Are we persecuting? It may be that some of you have had pushdown at work and all of those sorts of things, difficulties, because you're a believer. But the reality is, friends, there are 70 nations in the earth where your human rights is impeded simply because you're a believer, the same as me. And a few weeks ago, I flagged up the top five. You won't be surprised to know that North Korea is right at the top. But there are believers in North Korea that have to meet as the secret church. Couldn't meet like us. They'd all be in prison. Afghanistan's right up there. And so we could go on. You may have heard Archbishop Justin Welby's comments at Christmas when he was 
speaking about the persecuted church, particularly in the Middle East. There's a spirit abroad in the earth today, friends, that's seeking to eradicate the very birthplace of Christianity. It's not without significance. It's not without significance. So if you're having a tough time because you're a believer, then you give it to God. But I want you to be encouraged also to pray for those who in certain situations, their lives are imperiled for believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And when Peter came under persecution, the church prayed. And so should we. So, as I close, praying and fasting. Let me just mention a couple of things. I sent this blog to Christian during the week. I've never met Frank Damasio personally. I was at a conference once and I never got a chance to speak to him. But Frank is just an amazing apostolic teacher. Nearly died with cancer 18 months ago. The church prayed. Portland, Oregon. He's back in ministry. And uh, an amazing deliverance for another season. And so Frank wrote this about fasting. He says, the definition of fasting is the voluntary, voluntary abstinence from food or some other habit for the purpose of concentrated prayer. He gives a few reasons. Aligning with God in repentance. Deepening humility. Preparing your spirit for a new anointing and season. Spiritual breakthrough. Supernatural intervention. And he goes on to say, fasting is not earning, manipulating or commanding God. But it helps us become increasingly available to the new things and aligns us with God's plans so that he can intervene in ways that we didn't think possible. Let me draw your attention to this. Because I reread it in preparation for the message this morning. It's been very well written, very well put together. Again, if you've not got one of those booklets, it's available at the resource desk. Um, uh, Christians acknowledge in the back that we've had some help with one significant pastor that's got a grace in this area of fasting. But also our own wording. All the questions there. You've never heard us say that from last Monday right through to two weeks today, you've got to go right through. You know, maybe some people are. But how about missing one meal for the cause of the kingdom and aligning yourself with with God's purposes? For other people, they're finding all sorts of journeys and doing a lot more than that. But you'll never hear a Christian amigo to anybody and ask, so how are you doing? What are you doing? How's your plan? What are you doing? We'll never ask that. Because it's a personal thing and people are appropriating it in different ways. But I want to encourage you to engage in the apostolic practice of fasting so that we might see an expression of apostolic power in Arena Church. <clears throat> and so I close. <clears throat> Acts 4.31, after they prayed. You may say, Phil, it seems to me that things have happened in my life before I've prayed. You need to know they've happened after someone else did. After they prayed. I hope you felt encouraged this morning, friends. I've tried to land it again. I've tried to make it real. I've tried to draw us in. We understand these are challenges. We understand the natural, the carnal, the temporal. All the things of time and life would pull at us. We understand all of that. And by the way, Christian and me are living a completely normal life in terms of doing work during this season. You know, I've not disappeared to my bedroom for 21 days. As you can see, I've had a shave this morning. You know, <laughs> 
we try to land it. I want, to, I want you to know, friends, we're encouraged. We're encouraged with the spirit of unity. People that are dipping their toes deeper into the faith, saying it's making sense to me. I'm getting up a little bit early. I'm praying. I've never fasted before. I was always frightened of it. I've done it. I've done it for a day. I've done it for a time. All those things are encouraging. And I want to just see, for you to see again this morning that God's given us an amazing example, as I've tried to highlight this morning, with a very ordinary but supernatural group of people that was a growing church in the Acts of the Apostles. They prayed as a priority. They prayed as a prelude to power. They prayed over their problems. They prayed that they might make progress. And they prayed when people were persecuted. Nothing's changed. God's still responding in the earth to people that were praying. I was watching Dino Rizzo last night and I thought, now what's he going to say that's going to be different to Christian or Mark? Nothing. Just an ordinary bro, leading 15 minutes at the end, they prayed, corporate prayer. Just got all of a, a theme from Psalm 100 and just took it through. Finished on time, boom, away we go. Brilliant. After they prayed. Last night when I got in, I just thought about my ministry. And I just felt God say this. And perhaps the band will begin to come and get ready. We've got a few minutes. And I'd really encourage you, please hear this, it's not a manipulative comment. But I'd just encourage you to just press into God for the next few minutes. It's more important than you being first in the coffee line. So just stay with us for a moment. But as I was praying um, and thinking about um, this morning, just last night, I think just in terms of the whole inspiration of prayer, I felt God say, you know what, Phil, it's all right you preaching it, but how about drawing a response from the people? And uh, when I got up this morning, it was still strong in me. And, um, and I felt God gave me an idea. And um, on your seat is the guest card. Now, of course, most of these, when I say most, numbers of them aren't filled in every week because you, you've already done it. We've got your details. Often Christian or Julie or Christian will get up and say, would you mind just filling your details in? But this morning, even if you've been in Arena Church for many years, I'd like you to get hold of the card because on the opposite side at the end, it just says prayer. And what we encourage sometimes is for people to say, if you've got a prayer request, and what happens is we've got a committed prayer team in the church. And prayer requests that come through on a Sunday go straight to that committed prayer team. People in our church passionate and praying. Sometimes it's sickness, illness, issues, problems. And what I felt this morning was, just in some pens here, what I felt this morning was, I just want you as the band are just getting ready to sing this refrain again at the end, just to write something down in faith. It may be a person. It may be a son, a daughter. It may be a husband that's not yet come to Jesus. It may be a, a, a desire. It may be arena. It may be our nation. It may be the persecuted. But just fill your heart for a moment. Don't second guess it. What comes to your heart now is the thing that you ought to be praying for. That's it. Just sense your heart now. I'd like you to write it down. And in a moment, we're going to sing this song to close. I'd like you to come and put it on the front of the stage as an offering of a prayer to God. Just like that. Just put it down like that. Now, please be assured I've spoken to Christine. 
all the cards are going to be collected immediately after the service with nobody reading them they'll go in a bag in a bag in a bag you can be as candid as you like because your, pro, your privacy is, will, will not be compromised so you can put on there whatever you like God knows but I just felt God was saying it's an act of faith this morning it's a step of faith and we're going to bring it to the altar it's not a, it's not a, you know what I'm saying it to the altar and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe this morning that God's going to do some amazing things in Jesus name and we're going to sing the song we're going to bless the Lord and give him thanks it may be that you're going to do it as a couple this morning you sat next to each other and you've just nudged each other and says that was what we ought to be praying for well come together bring one card it's okay but however you're just navigating it right now it may be that you're a young person so well you know you, you enter in. You enter in. Don't, don't sit on the sideline. It may be that you were that person this morning that responded to Christian's appeal for the first time. So, well, I, surely it includes you. It includes you. If you need a pen, there's a pen at the front. I just ask you not to dwell on the front, just to come fast. Late on the prayer altar, I'm going to sing the song, I'm going to pray. After they prayed, after they prayed, after they prayed. We're into day six of this season. Even day seven.